Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Ashley Elsner. She is COO and founder at Artery Pay. We're going to talk about what's going on in the cannabis space relative to payments and processing and financials. I think as most people know in cannabis, this has always been kind of a thorn in our side, given the federal status of cannabis and how that impacts all the kind of banking regulations. It's been quite difficult for cannabis companies to not only bank, but do payments and specifically on the dispensary side, actually interacting with customers. It's been a challenge to say the least. And, you know, people have tried various things over the years, and there's been some interesting developments over the last 6, 12 months around some of these issues with people trying various strategies, I guess I put it, <laughs> and, and coming, out, coming out with certain results. Uh, so yeah. we're going to dig into that and understand, and then we're going to talk about really kind of where are we and where might we be going in terms of uh, finances on the cannabis space. So with that, Ashley, welcome to the program. Hi, Bruce. Thank you for having me again. Just to remind people, I'm 
financial lawyer by background. Um, And so these issues are near and dear to my heart and making sure that the cannabis space actually has reliable and legitimate (laughs) financial services is a a very important passion for me. And I am also a cannabis patient. So I want to see federal legalization um, occur, actually, because a lot of these problems go away with that. Yeah. So give us a little bit more of the background. So before cannabis, what were you doing? And then talk to us about how you got into cannabis. Tell us a little about our artery page so we can get a little context before we get into these topics. Sure. So um, prior to cannabis, I was working in the legal space for financial services companies for, let's see, I did financial regulatory work with Sidley Austin up in New York City. And that was you know, primarily outsourced, you know, basically regulatory operations and filings and even actually some pretty massive regulatory audits for Mm -hmm. huge investment banks and, uh, and hedge funds and IPOs and, and, uh, and, stock offerings and things like that. Then I went to Bessemer Venture Partners and I worked in legal and operations there for several years. That's a a large venture fund. They have about $2 billion under management at the time that I was there. And that was right after the 2007, 2008 crises that were going on. So they were actually smaller than they probably are now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they're a lot bigger now, actually. We need some Um, kind of crisis rating scale or something now to be able to benchmark these. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely true. And then uh, I have, um, after that, I got into the fintech space actually wanting to work on uh, democratizing access to certain types of um, financial products that uh, newly accredited investors would be interested in. So bringing the, the financial risk to the actual investor way, way down to a manageable level, but mm-hmm. uh, giving them the opportunity to be able to access these same sort of markets. So you start talking about Robin Hood's idea about allowing, yeah. you know, retail investors to be able to get direct access to listings that are having an IPO and things like that. It's similar to that, but we were applying it more to the hedge fund space. um, And we were also trying to do so in a way that did not uh, (laughs) cause problems for our investors. So (laughs) there's definitely uh, issues that go along with that. But anyways, after that, I did a little bit of uh, M&A work uh, back home, just doing some work for a healthcare company, did a a couple of other fintech type things, and then actually started talking with some friends of mine over at Stripe. And they cued me into this issue with cannabis and how, you know, they can't actually touch it. And people don't understand how far that extends. So we can talk a little bit about that as well. Yes. People are certainly getting confused why when they take money from the cannabis space, they will still get shut down by Stripe. So we can we can cover that as well. But basically, I saw they, you know, introduced me to the need and I started looking at the need and I was like, oh, well, geez, this has everything to do with the policies and procedures and current technology being used in the financial space and has absolutely zero to actually do with law, with the banking law and the financial law that actually applies to it. Is it easy to do? No, absolutely not. It's not easy to create a financial product that does not cross state lines. <laughs> That's not easy, um, especially yep. given the way that our systems work these days. But is it doable? Absolutely. With new technology, it's very, very easy to, from a technology basis, to be able to set things up in a way if you're starting from scratch. But with larger institutions, you know, they're really doing their best to minimize their risk and maximize their profit. And mm-hmm. so cannabis being, you know, really you know, a multi-billion dollar industry, but not a multi-trillion dollar industry and an industry that really, from a financial perspective, you have to look at in a state by state basis 
not even on a national scale. Like you can't even talk about it really being a $25 billion opportunity because realistically the highest opportunity you really get is maybe in California where it's like 3 billion on the legal market, mm-hmm. right? $5 billion market, 3 billion of it legal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's the challenge that the financial space was looking at with that. And I just knew that as a startup, I actually could do something about this. Plus, given my background in financial law, yeah. this is something I could do something about. But it really came to a head for me, actually, because I am a cannabis patient. So I, a long time ago, had a, a very bad injury when I was living in New York. And I nearly died from it. I nearly lost my leg. I have severe mm. com- had severe complications from it that caused me to develop a, a type of pain that is from severe nerve damage. Yeah, And it, it's not something that you ever recover from, really. It's not something that you can completely get rid of, at least not based on current medical treatments and medical interventions. And I had some surgical interventions, but my father, who is a neurologist, yeah. uh, he actually suggested that I try cannabis. Interesting. Um, Yes. It's usually the other way around, I hear it, where a, a child is helping, is getting, convincing their parent to try cannabis. Well, well, that's happened too. I, I've yeah. done that with my with my parents and my sister and a, a number of other folks who have pain management issues because um, yeah. it, it just works. And yeah. that's the thing. My dad had looked at the research and it was a metadata research. It was in one of his neurology journals. So this is part of his continuing medical education. And they were basically stating outright that it is conclusive, that it works for the type of pain condition that I have. Yeah, And so I tried it. And for the first time in 11 years, I was in fact pain free. Yeah. And wow. that was that was five or six years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yeah. And I've incorporated it into my medical regimen. I use it as a form of treatment. It has improved my quality of life substantially. And that's why I am a proponent of federal legalization as well as a proponent of financial access for the space. Yeah. So tell us about artery pay. Like what was what was the impetus and, and how did you approach the market and what have you been solving with that? So as I said, my friend at Stripe basically said, you know, we're out of luck because our banks won't let us. Yeah. And that really is the answer. Payments in the United States is 100% dependent on the banking industry. If the Banking industry that owns kind of the card networks, and we're talking branded card networks, because I I know there's some other things coming out here, so I want to be clear about what I'm talking about. Yeah, please. Branded card networks, the the bank issuers for those cards, which are are dealing with consumer debt, which is a which is probably the riskiest form of debt is consumer debt. Yeah. Because each individual, you can't diversify their risk away. It's like not possible to diversify a person's individual risks in a financial context to completely diversify them away. You can't. They're exposed to systemic risk. They're exposed to individual risk. They're exposed to work risk and all kinds. Basically, it's the riskiest type of debt you can even put out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, uh, you know, amplifying that with, in quotation marks, a high risk industry that has a legal, has legal ambiguity to it, the legality of which is ambiguous right now, because the federal government is just being very, very slow to take action as normal. I know people are very upset by this, but this is so normal. Yeah, pretty um, standard. I mean, gosh, they they moved equally slowly when we were trying to get a hundred percent marriage for everybody who wants it. Yeah, exactly. So I want to say that the right way, but like when we were going through these <laughs> quote, yeah. you know, Defense of Marriage Act nonsense, which was not in fact a defense of marriage, it was a denial of certain people, and it's considered to be now, you know, one of your civil rights is to be able yeah, to be exactly. married, which is an interesting extension of a weird social something, right? But Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, like it took them a generation and a half to do 
anything about it. And it took the Supreme Court stepping in because Mm -hmm. Congress just was never going to get their act together on it. Well, we're seeing something similar right now, except that we're also seeing a Supreme Court who is choosing to let the legislature kind of do whatever it wants. Yeah, they're kind Um, of punting it to the states for now. Yeah, they're punting to the states, but... You know, we're also seeing a Supreme Court that just doesn't want to be involved in any of the legislative activity. Mm-hmm. They just don't want to be involved in it. They just want to leave that to the legislatures. And in some cases, that's okay. And in other cases, you know, it just ends up making things take longer. And then, of course, you know, we've got the other things going on right now where we have had we've had substantial problems, you know, across the board in the United States relating to like things that are, in fact, government fixable right now. Government could fix it right now versus having to go through discussions and arguments and things like that. And you're just, you know, cannabis is going to continue to take a back road while we're dealing with climate change, while we're dealing with certain states trying to deny rights to specific parts of of United States citizens um, of certain we're dealing with. Sorry, I don't mean to be going back to climate change, but, but it, I'm like sitting there thinking about all of the natural disasters that are basically converging upon the United States. And yeah. then we're also dealing with this with these issues of domestic threats to mm-hmm. our safety. And it's a there, uh, of course, we just pulled out of Afghanistan. And the focus right now is very much on people trying to get things back in order from the disarray that we've been dealing with for the last couple of years. Some people will argue a lot longer, but certainly yeah. the COVID trials are not over. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're looking at all of this and cannabis continues to take a back seat. And so yeah, it's just know, a full agenda. Like they're just, they're really just not going to get to it for a while. Yes. And, and you're talking about a full agenda that they need to take care of in the next year and a half. Because we are going to have one of the congressional bodies very likely turn back over to the Republicans. And then you're really going to get nothing done because this particular group of yeah, this particular group of 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 candidates are just unwilling to compromise and try to make good faith efforts to actually move our society forward. So um, we're just dealing with a lot of problems right now. And cannabis, unfortunately, is still not something that the people are voting about. Yeah. They are at the state level, but not at the not at the federal level. So why don't, why don't we just do a quick kind of summary for folks, kind of why this is a problem, and then we can talk about some of the events that have been happening in cannabis and payments. So, you know, federally legal, how does that impact banking and how does it impact businesses that are looking for banking services and payment services? Like what, what is the kind of underlying legal issue here for these, you know, for financial institutions? So the underlying issue for financial institutions is one that people don't typically see, but the biggest problem in complying with the cannabis laws, the the deal is that there's an amplified reporting burden, and that's not something Mm -hmm. that's really guaranteed to be fixed uh, necessarily ever. There's no guarantee. Even if safe banking passes, you don't know that FinCEN's not just going to be, okay, great, we already already have this particular regime in place, and you guys want us to revise it, but we still think it's important, so we're going to keep it. And then it becomes, now it's part of your examination. And so what we have in cannabis in particular is every single transaction in the cannabis industry is required to be reported to FinCEN. Money coming into the market, money coming out of it. So, and who is FinCEN for those that are not familiar? Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's fine. That's, sorry. Uh, that's yes. my job. Yes, me with the acronym. Sorry, that's a that's a common problem with the financial space. Is we use we use acronyms that nobody else knows. Yeah. So, my apologies for that. FinCEN is the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network of the Department of the Treasury of the United States. So, this is how we track criminal organizations. Mm-hmm. This is how we shut down frauds and scams. This is how uh, we 
defund terrorism uh-huh. is by using financial intelligence that is gathered and reported by financial institutions. And this is this is a requirement of anybody providing any sort of financial services. So from yeah. insurance to payments to banking to what fintechs to any, anything else, anybody who is providing any lending, anyone providing anything to the financial space is required to do this type of reporting that basically prevents money laundering from from of criminal proceeds mm-hmm. and also prevents fraud. So fraud and money laundering are two sides to the same coin. Okay. I mean, what's called fraud in one instance with one financial institution is money laundering from another one. Okay. Got it. Because it literally depends on whether you're receiver of the funds or whether you're the transmitter of the funds, whether you're money laundering or whether you're committing fraud. Got it. And this affects cannabis or this comes into play with cannabis because cannabis is a federally illegal substance. Uh, yes, in a sense. So, um, as a lawyer, I of course can walk you through the instance that says like, yes, there's this federal prohibition. However, if you don't cross state lines, it never gets implicated. And therefore you are a state legal organization, a hundred percent. And there is no issue with it. In fact, triggering controlled substances act or it being considered to be uh, money laundering. So long as you are not defrauding any of the financial institutions that are involved yeah. in the movement of the money and also are keeping it within state lines. Yeah. yeah. I know. This sounds- there's, there's, well, I get it. There's like there's various tests, right? Like you keep yeah. in the state lines, but if you're using a financial institution to do this, then that and depending on how you're doing it, that could, you know, it, fraud kind of comes into play on that side as well. So you could yes. you can get tripped up in lots of different ways. Yes. Basically, financial lawyers are the only people who understand this space. And I'm really, really yeah, sorry yeah. about that, because it basically means that everybody else is basically grappling around in the dark. Yeah, exactly. And it yeah. stinks. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. You know, this has played out in different ways, and I know the industry has kind of evolved, and, and people have tried various things. But I know, you know, kind of the fundamental issue, you know, comes down, or, or one one of the big issues comes down to dispensaries or, or the you know retail side, and, yep. and people actually performing transactions. And I'm sure, you know, anyone here that's listening that has you know gone to dispensaries, you know, sometimes it's all cash, sometimes I can use a debit card, sometimes I can use a credit card, but it costs me you know eight percent or something, right? So. Like what, what is actually happening in the industry and what's, I guess, what's legal, what's not legal? Like what, what have you see kind of play out and how is this kind of, uh, blooming here in terms of issues? Cause I know there's been a couple of uh, recent cases and, and, um, there's going to be more, there's going to be a lot more actually, because there's a, there's been the adoption of a specific system type of system by a lot of the technology players in the space actually. And they're trying to promote these things. And I, you know, there's not really a nice way to say it, but these systems are money laundering. And that actually creates a RICO issues for everybody in the cannabis space. Everyone. Everyone who touches the transaction basically could go to prison. Yeah. Define RICO for us. (laughs) Okay. RICO, that's a legal term. (laughs) That is, um, I'm going to look up the actual, um, what it stands for. Yeah. I was was, was saying that I was like, I'm trying to remember what it actually stands for too. I I know what it is, but I can't remember the acronym. (laughs) Yeah. Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act. There we go. Yeah. So this is a way that you basically use criminal law to tackle issues of organized crime and organized criminal activity that, and also actually it can be applied to corporate crime. And this is what people are kind of missing. 
That's a federal law. And generally speaking, while your cannabis company can be absolutely doing nothing to implicate federal law whatsoever and not be violating anything, as soon as you use one of these illicit systems, yeah, or I should say illegitimate because people get very mad at me for saying illegal. I'm a lawyer and it's very hard for me not to use the terms that are, are kind of a subject of my background. But yeah. using these illicit systems can expose you to quite a bit of risk. And actually, it can expose you to that federal prohibition again. It can pull that back into play when you're using a system that triggers federal financial law. Okay. And so what would the system give us an example of how this is playing out or where this comes into play for, you know, a cannabis case or a cannabis company? Okay. So the hard and bright line, the hard and fast rule right now from a financial law perspective is if there is a card or any other something that is sitting in your customer's wallet at this time that has a brand on it or something that was issued by a bank or anything like that, you cannot use it for U.S. cannabis transactions. For, for as a, as a uh, consumer walking to a dispensary, a dispensary, if, if they use that card, they are now participating in an fraud. illegal activity because, yeah, it's fraud because, yeah. because that you're now using a banking system that's a federal banking system. Well, it's not because it's a federal banking system. It's because the bank has said they're not willing to support the cannabis space. Got it. So, so how do they do it? So how, like, how, how do I go into dispensary and... So this is where it turns into fraud. So basically, the, the things that we saw in the Ease case in particular, like credit uh-huh. card processing, yeah. what he was doing there is he set up a bunch of shell companies, mm-hmm. applied for credit card processing for those shell companies under mm-hmm. um, false pretenses. This is where the fraud happened. This okay. is where the fraud happened. He lied about what it was for, what they were processing transactions for. Did things like pet care, um, did mm. things like uh, nutraceuticals or anything like that to try to, in quotation marks, get around the, in quotation marks, network rules. And this no. has to do with the card processing side. The network rules very specifically are, are, they don't specifically say cannabis, but they do specifically say federally illegal is illegal as far as we're concerned. Yep. So we're not going to support it. And you doing anything to try to get around our rule on that is fraud. Got it. And it is. That's what they say specifically in their rules is that you are defrauding us by doing that. Yep. Then you have the bank issuers as well for those financial products because every card's a financial product. Yep. Every single card. And so they are, the, the trick about it is the card networks are very much, their policies are dictated back to them by the issuing banks. Yep. Right? And vice versa. And vice versa. So if one of them says no, the other one kind of has to say no also. Yeah, and, they both have to agree. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's not just both have to agree. It's that, you know, they have to agree to provide a service. If one of them says no, then the answer is no. That's the mm-hmm. end of it. Yeah. Um, from like a from a financial perspective. And what's happening is these guys are hiding the source of the transaction. In some cases, they're using intermediaries. Sometimes they're using an inter- a financial product as an intermediary in order to try to trip up the system. And they're using all of these different things that they call proprietary workarounds or technical workarounds that are, in fact, just flat fraud. Yep. They're just flat fraud. But they've been doing it for a while, right? It worked for a while. Well, that's the thing. Yes, it does. And in the case of Ease, it's very interesting how they got caught 
because it had to do with a different financial fraud that was occurring in a different area of the world. <laughs> interesting. Um, yeah, it is interesting, but it's not something we should talk about right now. Um, <laughs> okay, but but it, it got actually give us a little bit of uh, what what's actually happened with Ease because I'm not sure people know have been keeping track of the um, the okay. news on this. So um, what happened with Ease is these guys, these fraudsters, set up this payment processing system for them to allow them to accept credit card credit cards from their consumers to give them uh-huh. an edge, right? Yeah. Um, because nobody else was able to do it the reason why is because it's illegal yeah it's pretty simple um and i'm not going to wax philosophical or semantic with people about non-compliant versus illegal for that one it was clearly illegal what was going on um and uh they set up this network for them and what ended up happening there is ease was caught they were caught because the guys that were involved in it were also involved with wirecard that's the interesting piece about that um and i will not go into that here but it's something that people can read up on if they want to wirecard Mm -hmm. was a huge mess and when they were caught when wirecard was caught Ease started being investigated basically for activities that actually everybody in the cannabis industry had already called them out on. They had already called them out on the fact that they weren't allowed to do this. They were, in fact, even, I believe, sued by um, another another uh, company, and I can't remember exactly which one it was, um, about the fact that they were doing credit card processing. Yeah. And that it was giving them, in quotation marks, an unfair advantage. But it was just illegal. It was just plain illegal. And that's what people should take away about credit card processing for the cannabis space in the U.S. at this time, is that it's illegal to do it. It's so there's no, there's no way to do credit card or debit card processing in cannabis. So let's talk a little bit more about debit, because um, debit, most of it, most of it is also run on the credit card systems. It's yeah. the same network. It's the same issuer banks. So yes, illegal. Yeah. Answer is yes. Um, slight difference, though. There are some debit networks mm-hmm. that are regional networks and are not, in fact, owned and controlled by the major issuer banks. Okay. Right? So there is the potential that you could put together a debit processing system, but you still have to have banks that are willing to underwrite those transactions always. Like no matter your transactive system, the banks have to know what's going on. It's got to be legit. You have to tell them legitimately. And then you cannot use one of the brands that has like Visa or MasterCard written on it or any of their touching uh, companies, their related companies like Cirrus and Maestro and stuff like that. Plus and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. You can't use any of those national debit networks because they're owned by the same teams and have the same rules. So there's the potential that you could do something with like, say, a pin debit network. There's a potential. I have not seen it really done yet. Um, And I, you know, it takes a long time to negotiate that. Again, you've got to have a bank backer and they actually kind of need to be issuing those cards because I don't know if you've taken a look at the cards in your wallet, but even stuff from like, uh, you know, weird credit union that you've never heard of. um, Yeah is going to have, you know, like Ashley's personal credit union like that, that is still probably going to have a visa issuer or a a MasterCard issuer on it. So you're still not talking about something that's completely legit and would take, you know, frankly, several years of negotiation to get done. Yeah, it would. And that's what people are missing. You can't do anything in finance fast, because if you do, you're probably doing it illegally. Yeah. So so what happened with the ease guys? So so they were caught. And I mean, they were caught. Ease, uh, you know, their their former CEO is who they, you know, put the responsibility on. And okay. he went in, he's cooperated with the investigations. Uh, he went in and cooperated with the investigations. And he ended up with a reduced sentence of one year in prison. 
And I can't remember exactly how much his fine was, but it was, you know, several hundred thousand dollars, something like yeah. that, hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, something like that. And of course he was fired. Yeah. Of course. Um, and so this is something that people in the cannabis space should be aware of that, you know, your business may not be what goes down, but you will take the lumps because your yep. investors will absolutely turn you over. Yeah. They they wanna they want a pound of flesh. Well, yeah. and, and so so this was more or less a first case at this level that's that's hap- that's that's happened. Yep. What do you think more of this is going to come out? I mean, we're yes, because this is happening everywhere in the industry. Yes, yes it's yeah, I know, I know it is. Despite my best efforts to try to get the word yeah. out that they uh, need to be careful about this card processing stuff, because frankly, the stuff that's being told to them is just absolute bald faced lies. Yeah, absolute yeah. bald faced lies. These these systems are not legitimate. They make use of several different types of fraud and money laundering, and that's mm-hmm. very, very bad. And you know what's happened more recently is the fraudsters who actually did set up the ease money laundering ring there, the the fraud ring, uh-huh. um, bank fraud ring there. They have both been sent to prison. They of course are trying to appeal, but they're not going yeah. to win because yeah. it was very clear. They even admitted to it, yeah. and they were just kind of like, "Oh, I don't see what the harm is." Well, I'm going to tell you what the harm is. There's harm to the safety of our neighborhoods because using these kinds of systems makes it easy for people doing illegal things, like really genuinely harmful things to your community, like violent crime and stuff like that. It makes it easy for them to money launder. That's the problem. And you want to distinguish yourself from the people who are operating in, you know, black market. You want to distinguish yourself from people operating in illegal circles. And from these, you know, violent offenders, you want to distinguish yourself from that. And that actually, you know, is an additional threat to our national security because, you know, we're on the wake of the anniversary. The 20th anniversary of 9-11 is next weekend. Yeah. And we know for a fact that the funding that Osama bin Laden was able to get um, to attack us came from sources like these. Yeah. And that these were mechanisms that they used for money laundering and for hiding the source of the transaction and stuff like that. Anything that is not immediately transparent, that you cannot confirm, frankly, with a financial lawyer is legit. You just yeah. need to stay away from. Yeah, too much of a risk. And and it funds terrorism. That's what people are missing, is that the people yeah. who are doing it for them are probably also doing it for bad people. Yeah, exactly. So just, you're just, helping prop up with legitimate business stuff that they're doing that's illegal. Yeah, it helps It helps create an opening for for malicious illegal mil- activity. malicious actors you're, you're <laughs> yeah. like giving them a, a you're giving them a a playbook yeah you're giving them a playbook to do bad things and to yeah. hide it and yeah. we we want to stop that financial crime is a serious issue yeah. and um so you know with respect to the the two the two really bad guys in this the the scammers that were involved yeah. in this um they both got prison time they both got fines in the hundreds of thousands of dollars they'll be in prison for about Three and a half years, I think, is the main guy. I think he got three and a half years. But yeah. but regardless, the fact is, this was a wake-up call. Mm-hmm. And this is what's really important is that the cannabis industry needs to recognize that these guys that are kind of come through and get them in trouble, they're not being penalized as, as heavily as they should be. Yeah, They're not. And that's a concern, at least in this very first case. But I'll tell you... I expect, given that uh, some of the things that are being used now actually are even worse, some of the systems being used are worse and, and engage in diff- all multiple different types of fraud, some of which actually is consumer fraud. Like, for example, the charging of credit card rates to uh, a consumer. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's so not legal. <laughs> That's, yeah. That hasn't been legal for a while, actually. Yeah. Um, and uh, or, or I should say that's not compliant 
Sorry, once again, <laughs> trying to rein back my talk about like, no, this is a violation. This is a violation. These are violations. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. You know, the the biggest challenge that we as legitimate payment providers have had is that these illicit systems are on the market. They're being used because people think it's a great workaround, but they don't know what actually goes into the sausage making. And that's where yeah. the danger lies. Yeah. And so how do you uh, how do you think this is going to play out? I mean, we, you know, we've had various kind of attempts to reform some of the banking, but uh, like obviously we've got various kind of uh, – We've got a full agenda. Nothing's really going to get passed probably in, in short order here. But yeah, like, ultimately, how do we solve this? Like, What is the real solution? Well, there are a couple of different things that could happen while we wait for, frankly, federal cannabis legalization, because that is the only thing mm-hmm. that actually helps with the banking and the financial challenges that the cannabis space has. Those are yep. the only things that give like legitimate legal cover for financial institutions trying to work out what's going to be their best move in this. Mm-hmm. And while it may be growing, in the states that have adopted it. Again, the fact is you have to look at those as individual markets and you can't actually aggregate them together into a federal market, into a national market. You can't even view it that way because even as an MSO, you've got challenges between trying to set up in one state and having to basically take your operation and copy it in the next state because you can't actually bring, you know, your cultivars from over. You can't bring over, you can't take the products over and sell them at retail. So you're not seeing like, frankly, a, uh, an efficient market in the cannabis space at all right now. And that's true in the, in the financial services side as well. You know, the, the fact is for, For card processing to become legit in the U.S., you're going to need federal legalization. And everything else up until then is going to be, you know, I I hate to say it this way, but it's going to be workarounds that are going to expose your business to substantial financial, legal, and operational risk. I mean, frankly, you can lose your license actually for using these illegal systems if the cannabis regulators find out about it. And that's part of the reason I think why a lot of us have been trying really hard not to discuss this thing openly. Yeah, yeah, Um, because it could really unwind a lot of businesses. Yeah, I mean, we want to be careful. We're not trying to hurt the industry, but the fact is they're they're taking steps that are hurting themselves. Yeah. So, I mean, the most important thing about this is due diligence in your financial providers. And I'm sorry, but people who are coming from a sales background only or people who are coming from a tech background only do not know how to operate in highly regulated markets. They just don't. Yeah. It's just there's a complexity and an insight you need. Yeah. And so, like, you know, my recommendations on that are, you know, the only thing that I can say for sure is 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 okay for the cannabis space is really ACH processing. And that's what we do at Artery Pay. Mm -hmm. We do ACH payment processing. It's like Venmo for cannabis. This is this could not be easier for your consumers. And it also doesn't require them to go through a ridiculous onboarding process. It really doesn't. If yeah. you've got good connectivity, you can do it right in store. It takes absolutely no time. You know, it's not yeah. like we're, we're charging uh, consumers because, like, again, you know, whether it's debit or it's credit, like, that's not really kosher. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about Artery Pay, you know, discuss these these issues, um, what's yeah. the best way to get that information? Yeah. So um, I would say um, go to our website. It's um, arterypay.com. Uh, we have to do some uh, updates to that. You can also follow my LinkedIn feed. Uh, that's Ashley Elsner. I have a, a I speak pretty frequently on these topics, um, trying to be, you know, very politically correct because I'm yeah. being recorded. But <laughs> uh, when we're in person, like I, I'm very straight to the point. I, I really yeah. try to help people understand where these challenges are coming from and what sort of risks they're taking on and how to do diligence your your 
providers, but um, other good places for resources, um, you know, about artery pay, of course, come to our website, talk to me, Ashley, my email is ashley at arterypay.com. And then the other place that you can look for good information is actually the National Association of Cannabis Businesses has been working with the Emerging Markets Coalition, which is a group focused on payments in the the cannabis space and, and trying to create better industry standards because there's been so much misinformation that has floated through the industry organizations. Um, but NACB is coming out with actual standards for finance that actually I'm helping them draft as part of the Emerging Markets Coalition. And you've got the actual experts from the Emerging Markets Coalition who do know what they're talking about working on these things. People who have backgrounds like mine, who have been in the financial space. You know, I've been in the financial space for 16 years doing basically financial law and financial institution operations. You've got other folks with similar backgrounds who do either anti-money laundering or anti-fraud or, or people with legal backgrounds or um, people operating, you know, fintechs. These are real, real experts. They're not you know, somebody who doesn't have expertise in the space, who's just out selling a product. Um, And we're doing our best to try to get the right information out there so that people can make educated decisions about their providers in the space. Perfect. I'll make sure that the links uh, to all those are in the show notes here so people can get that. Ashley, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Yeah, thank you so much, Bruce. And, um, you know, always fun to be on your show. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.